0: Welcome to the Shaw's Law Podcast. You know who I am and what I do. And baby, it is March. Y'all are so lucky that I don't want them to bang me for copyright, or else March Madness by Future would be playing. I got it queued up and everything. Woo! It's March Madness, baby. I hope they don't bang me for that little two-second snippet. They probably will. Um. You know who I am and what I do. Rob Shaw, aka the Pod God aka Harry Potter we're gonna get into a lot of March madness stuff but before that we'll just jump into some general sports topics that have really been grinding my gears lately guys a couple things that have been on my mind um guess we're gonna start with tennis Naomi Osaka was heckled in California. Um, She's a tennis player. She's a small, petite girl, so this might not apply to her. But when you guys are in the stands, you got to realize that, one, these are human beings. So the stuff you say does affect them. And in certain sports, these are giant human beings. And the things you say may lead to them putting their hands and feet on you. And there's always that school of thought well, this comes with the territory, or you make a lot of money. Eventually, your amount of money just becomes money. Like, that's the lifestyle you're living, and then you don't think of it as a million dollars. You think of it as, hey, I just get paid. And that's when you could say, "Mm, ain't no amount of money enough for somebody to talk to me a certain way. So this goes out to all you guys that like to get drunk and talk extra, extra greasy at the event like player X can't hear you and might not come up there and put hands and feet upon you. Like, just be careful, especially because these are giant human beings in some instances. Like, you don't want son with a size 17 coming to put that against your fucking forehead. So be careful what you say to these people. Um, something else that's really been sort of killing me Yes, Kyrie Irving should probably get vaccinated. It's his right not to, and he's not no damn saint or superhero for standing up for his right to not get vaccinated. But the general discourse on Kyrie, like the conversation about how he's some... Like sometimes he's just painted as like this evil guy. Yo, Aaron Rodgers lied about his vaccination status. And the Packers just gave him $50 million per year. And he didn't get nowhere near the slander that Kyrie got. You guys tell me why that is. Oh, boy. I hope you guys can put two and two together. And Kyrie's a different dude. Like, he's done some weird stuff. But he's always been upfront about his vaccination status. Rodgers lied, and, like, it was just cool. Why is that? I'm not going to make you guess. Aaron Rodgers is Whitey White. It's a double standard for black athletes and white athletes, and it's kind of disgusting. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. I'm not going to go off on this for too much longer. Um... I think Aaron Rodgers is great at football. I think Kyrie's amazing at basketball. I also think that this Kyrie and Rodgers thing, besides Rodgers being white, has come down to money. Kyrie is hurting the Nets and in turn hurting the NBA's profit margins by not getting it done, by not being vaccinated and eligible to play in his home arena. People didn't care nearly as much when it was Aaron Rodgers because... He was eligible to play. This isn't some giant political stance. This probably isn't a big a race thing as I'm actually making it out to be. It's about dollars and cents. And I never want you guys to ever forget that when it comes to professional sports, if it don't make dollars, then it doesn't make sense. Other things we're going to talk about. Greg Popovich has now become the all-time winningest coach in the NBA regular season. That's awesome. He's coached multiple Hall of Famers. He's been the gold standard or a part of the gold standard for what a organization should look like. It was super-duper fly to see um, the players in the locker room give him uh, like the little water celebration shower. But all in all, these kind of records are a lot more about longevity and who you've coached than anything super crazy to me. Like, it's a cool record and it's fun, but I'd much rather talk about KG's um, Jersey retirement. The uh, Ian Stansfield sent me the moment where him and Ray Allen get over Ray being mad that the Celtics tried to trade him the year before and KG being mad that he joined the Heat. That was a cool moment. One thing I do wish, I wish Rondo had been able to be in attendance, especially because, like, how close him and KG were. And anytime we're going to talk about KG, I'm just going to say a couple fun things. One, he stole Kobe's thunder by being the first person since Moses Malone uh, to go from high school right to the NBA. I think Kobe had really, really wanted to do that first, and uh, KG was just a year ahead of him. Secondly, KG trash talk is gold. Like, uh, two of my favorite KG trash talks. First of all... This probably isn't even PC. I don't even know if I should say this one, but I'm going to fire it off anyway. He told Charlie Villanueva, and Charlie Villanueva has um, alopecia, meaning like he doesn't have any hair on his body. He called this nigga a cancer patient. I know we're not supposed to laugh, but that's God-tier trash talk. Because, one, it's the audacity to say it, Because I promise you there were other dudes in the league who got mad at Villanueva and wanted to say it, but just didn't have the balls to say it. KG ain't care about that shit. And second of all, and this one is an all-timer. When he told Mello that Lala tasted like Honey Nut Cheerios, like, I don't think y'all understand how mad Mello was. First of all, telling another grown man that his joint tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. Not even his joint, his girlfriend, or his wife, the mother of his children. Telling him that, yo, your girl tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. Wild. That is insane. Mello was so mad that after the game, when the Celtics were on the bus trying to leave the arena... Mello was standing in front of the bus. Like, this is some shit straight out of a movie. He's standing in front of the bus telling KG, yo, you got to come out here and fight me. If I'm KG, I'm on the bus in tears. And I'm pro- like, it's not a yellow cheese bus, so we can't roll down his windows. But if he could, he probably would have been talking wild, greasy from the bus. Oh, man, honestly, he should have just gotten an endorsement with Honey Nut Cheerios after that. Like right there, he belongs in the Trash Talkers Hall of Fame. And I don't ever want you guys to forget these two stories. But now that we've gotten just about all the other things out the way, we can talk some March Madness. Future, um, where you at? Future? Oh, no, they want to play ads. Never mind. No future. Disappointing. All right, just a couple quick gripes. The first four that's playing um, tonight and Wednesday, as I record, I'm recording this on Tuesday. That the first four needs to be reserved for only at-large teams. I don't care if it's the smallest one bid league in America. If I win my conference tournament. I want to go to the big dance. I don't want to go to the pre-party and have to win a game. That should be reserved for at-large teams only. So, I don't care if... So, let's use the SEC as an example. Tennessee won the SEC. They're automatically in. Um, Vermont won their, uh, their conference. They're not in the play-in tournament, Jesus Christ, wrong uh, wrong set of basketball. They're not in the first four, but they won theirs. But you would re- you'd almost always see a Vermont in the first four over in Alabama or some big conference school who didn't win their conference tournament, but was an at-large bid. If a team wins their conference tournament there is no reason that they should play in the first four. I don't care what the reasoning is. I understand it's about, hey, this brand is bigger and they we want them in the big dance. No, at-large teams are the only ones that should play in the first four. And I'm pretty sure that's a hill I'm willing to die on. Another hill that I'm willing to die on, the SEC needs to move its conference tournament championship. To Saturday, it just doesn't do anything for the seed lines with it being played as late as it is on Sunday. It's um, as a Kentucky fan, it's something I'm very much aware of. We've won the conference tournament and not received what would probably be a seed a seed line bump for winning it because the SEC tournament is just so late on Selection Sunday that the panel doesn't really have time to factor it in. Um, what is that? All right. Now, what can we do to... I'm going to give some gambling advice this pod. I'm definitely willing to put my money where my mouth is on this. Like, these are bets that I will be placing. Um, I might even parlay a few of those. Uh, for those that don't speak, Degenerate Gambler, that means um, tie a couple of the bets together for... It makes it harder to win your bet, but it makes your cash pay out um, that much more. But first, I thought it'd be really fun for us to do at least the first round of a bracket live. So I'm going to pull up a bracket on my computer. And I'm going to talk you through what I'm seeing in the round of 64. So let's get that up all right out in the west region we have number one gonzaga versus 16 georgia state i love georgia state shout out to um rj hunter and his pops they uh actually won me my first real bit of gambling money when they upset oh i don't even remember who it is they upset maybe it was baylor But it was uh, the RJ Hunter, Ryan Harrow team, and they won me a pretty penny. With that said, Gonzaga's going to smack the floor with them. We've only had a 16 seed beat a one seed once in the history of our great tournament. This will not be a repeat of that. Zags to the next round. Boise State-Memphis, 8-9 matchup. Haven't seen Boise State. I have seen a fair amount of Memphis because they do have... Um, Some very interesting pro prospects. Imani Bates is no longer with the team. Um, For those that are like super invested in grassroots basketball and high school basketball in the draft, Imani Bates was thought to be the next Kevin Durant at one time. And now he's been sent home from Memphis. They do have Jalen Duran, who is not as big as you would like him to be. Like you'd like him to be a 6'10 big, and he's probably about 6'8, but he's a good college player Alex Lomax has turned it around um, since the AAC tournament. So we're going to take the Memphis Tigers here in this 8-9 matchup. UConn versus New Mexico. We're going UConn. I had a lot of UConn stock last year in the tournament. It didn't do shit for me. But we're still going to rock with the Huskies here. Arkansas, Vermont. Is one of the games that I'm definitely going to be gambling on. I like, I really, really like Vermont. Like, I, I just do. In a couple brackets, I definitely have them winning this uh, as an upset. That's a really good upset. It'll probably pay out well. It's Vermont's the 13 seed versus the 4 seed Arkansas. Arkansas is minus five and a half. I'm going to take Arkansas to win, but I'm going to take Vermont to cover here. Um, And I'll go over the ones that I'm going to bet on again at the end. But Arkansas to advance. Alabama versus the winner of the 11 seed Notre Dame Rutgers play-in game. And this is how playing games should be. Those are not conference winners, but they're also from big schools. That's perfect. Still taking Bama. Michigan State, Davidson. We'll jump into this one later, too, because this is one that I'll be betting on. I'm taking Davidson. Duke and uh, Cal State, uh, CSU Fullerton. Duke, it's a 15 versus two. Not going to lie, I'd be super happy if Duke lost to another 15, like how they did versus Mercer when that dude was doing the Nene. That would be great. I don't think it's happening, but I can dream. Duke to move on. Arizona versus the winner of the 16 seeds in the South region, Arizona. Simple as that. Seton Hall, TCU. Oh, man, am I torn on this one. Like, these ones, as many brackets as I've done, I've split this game down the middle. For the official podcast bracket, I'm gonna go Seton Hall, and I think this pick is a little bit more with my heart than with my head. But we said it, so here we go. Seton Hall. Houston UAB. Houston lost two of its top 5 players to injury this year and they still managed to get a 5 seed out of the American Conference and they've they've played good basketball. They went to the final four last year and I can't see them getting bounced in round 1. So Houston it is. Illinois over Chattanooga in the next matchup. That's a 4-13. We're going to take Illinois. Another upset I like is Michigan over Colorado State. That's a 6-11. We're going to take Michigan and just hope that Jawan Howard keeps his hands to himself in the postgame presser. Tennessee Longwood. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Vols won the SEC. They have a pro in Kennedy Chandler as well as... Some other nice pieces. So I'm in on Tennessee. I'm in on Tennessee making at least a Sweet 16 run. Ohio State, Loyola, Chicago. I didn't know how to call this one. It's a seven ten. Loyola, Chicago has been just busting brackets the last two years. I still like EJ Liddell from Ohio State, and I think I'm going to take the Buckeyes here. Nova over Delaware. That one's relatively easy. So with us having done the West and the South region, here are our winners real quick. Gonzaga, Memphis, Yukon, Arkansas, Alabama. Oops, somehow I skipped Texas Tech, Montana State. Texas Tech over Montana State. Davidson over Michigan State. And Duke over uh, CSU Fullerton. That's the West. In the dirty, dirty South, we have Zona. Seton Hall. Not in love with my Seton Hall pick, let me tell you. Ooh, am I not in love with that? Houston. Illinois. Michigan. Michigan. Tennessee, Ohio State, even though I think Ohio State, Loyola, Chicago could be a toss-up, and Villanova over Delaware. In the East region, the defending national champions, the Baylor Bulldogs. Going to get my boys from Norfolk State right on up out of here. Another tough one has been North Carolina Marquette split uh these eight nines are really jamming me up um my heart says UNC my brain says Marquette and my brain is with the money so we're gonna take Marquette St Mary's uh gets the winner of wyO which is a uh, Wyoming versus uh Indiana I uh, somebody normally makes a run out of the first four. Why not Indiana? I'm going to say Indiana wins their first game, and then they actually get St. Mary's up out the paint. So we're going to take Indiana here. UCLA, a Final Four team from a year ago as well. Um, Johnny Juzang is back, and that's where he really made his name for himself last year in the tournament. So we're going to go with the Bruins, and let's keep an eye on Johnny Juzang, especially because if the bracket breaks really right, we could see Juzang versus... Kentucky, and that is where Juzang played his freshman year before transferring uh, back out to the West Coast to UCLA. Texas versus Virginia Tech. We're taking Virginia Tech here in the upset. And we're taking them comfortably. I don't really like Texas this year. Um, this is one that I'll probably bet the money line on. I'm just not feeling Texas. Um, Chris Beard will probably get it turned turned around in the near future, but this isn't the year. Purdue versus Yale. Purdue is awesome. Murray State versus San Francisco. So my college basketball friends that I speak to and like really do their research say that Murray State probably should have been uh, an even higher seed than a seven or lower seed. If they were a seven, they think they should have probably been a six or a five. So we're going to take Murray State here. Kentucky versus St. Peter's. You know I'm riding with my boys, but I would stay away from betting them. I want to say the line is 17. It's just just a lot to have to win by, no matter the talent discrepancy. So Kentucky to win, um, but I might bet St. Peter's to cover. But I try and stay away from betting my team. That, that shit is so stressful. <clears throat> Let's see what else we got. So that, what region was that? That's the East. And now, you know, the Midwest is young and reckless. These reckless might snatch your necklace. That's a Kanye line for those of you that don't know. Um, Kansas versus the winner of the 16 matchup. And the first four, Rock Chalk, Jayhawk. Um Creighton over San Diego in the next matchup. Iowa over Richmond. Providence over South Dakota State. Uh, I'm not in love with that pick. Like I'll I'll stick with it. But that's one that I could see being an upset. Iowa State versus LSU. Um I think I, I like LSU from a talent standpoint, but there's just too much fuck shit going on with them right now. Uh, They just fired Will Wade for the recruiting violations from like five years ago, but they just got, um, I guess, cause to fire him. They're walking into the tournament with an interim coach, and it's not like they've had an interim coach all season. The news that Will Wade got the axe came on Selection Sunday, so they thought they were going into the tournament with their coach, and now it's an assistant coach, yeah get LSU out of here. And there's a chance that like maybe it's like one of those feel good stories where the players rally around the coach and they they win a couple games and the coach gets to take the interim tag off. But the way I see this shit playing out, Iowa State gets the LSU Tigers the fuck out of here. Iowa State to move on. Wisconsin versus Colgate. Um Shout out Colgate. Colgate had an eight four five player uh, recently, but Wisconsin's going to have to get them right on out the paint. Johnny Davis and Wisconsin moving on. Uh, USC Miami. Woo! This is one of the, this is a seven ten matchup, and I don't want to be like super chalky, but I think I like. USC in this one. And lastly, Auburn versus Jacksonville State. Uh, for my money, Auburn has the best play. The Maybe not the best player in college basketball, but the player most likely to be the number one pick in the draft in Jabari Smith. <coughs> they have an elite rim protector in uh, UNC transfer Kessler-Walker. Walker-Kessler... Those are his two names. I don't even remember what order they go in. Is it Kessler Walker or Walker Kessler? I think it's Walker Kessler. Fuck would they give this nigga two last names for? Anyway, Auburn to move on. So we're going to go over our East picks one more time real quick. Baylor. Marquette. Indiana. UCLA. Virginia Tech, Purdue, Murray State, Kentucky. In the Midwest, Kansas, Creighton, Iowa, Providence, Wisconsin, USC, Auburn. So those are my picks for the first round. I won't do a whole bracket because on ESPN's men's tournament challenge you can compete against me in the bracket challenge by joining the Shaw's Law podcast group it's one word you can throw in two entries it's free and i will be doing something or giving something to the winner at the end of it tell a friend to tell a friend because i just we're trying to grow the following and i thought it'd be really fun to do the tournament together. Now, I've given you my first round picks. Like, here they are. So I can't give y'all the rest for free. Like, I I can't give y'all the rest for free, free. What if somebody used my own bracket to beat me? Shit would be wild. For my NBA draft heads, there is this great tool that was put out by... Let me make sure I give them their credit because this is a beautiful tool. Um, I want to call them 60 and 36. One second, because these people deserve their credit and I don't want to be a douche. It's a tool that shows you the prospects on just about every team in the tournament. But not only does it show you the prospects, it's beautifully color coded, so I just want to give these guys their credit because it's so good. It's called Sixty and Thirty Six, and their uh, Twitter handle is um, or their Twitter bio: an easily digestible, easily digestible coverage of the NBA and WNBA draft. So they put out this; it's it's just beautiful. It's a little spreadsheet, and on the spreadsheet. It gives you, so blue indicates they're probably gonna be drafted in the 2022 draft, this upcoming one. Yellow indicates that they'll be undrafted in this draft. And red indicates that they're a player on the watch list for next year. I love this thing. So there's just, so in the West, On Gonzaga, you have Chet Holmgren in the definitely getting drafted. Then you have three players, uh, Andrew Nemhard, Drew Timmy, and sophomore Julian uh, Strawweather in the will probably be undrafted free agents. If uh, Strawweather is a sophomore and he's in the undrafted free agents, he should probably just come back. And then they have uh, Hunter Salas and uh, Nolan Hickman as people to watch for the 2023 draft. And they did this for every team in every region that had players that are on the NBA radar. I love it. I'm going to retweet this probably multiple times during the tournament because I just want to give these guys their flowers because this is a great tool and believe me it will be sitting with me as I pick which games to watch particularly on Thursday and Friday because there's multiple games on at the same time like the earlier in the tournament the more games that are on at the sa- or the more games that are on at the same time so I'll definitely be using that tool and then we're going to step out on a limb here and give a little bit of gambling advice and that's not something i do but i mean gambling's legal in new york and let's let's have some fun um i told you that i like which ones i liked out of these vermont and arkansas it's five and a half it's a 13 seed versus four that's not a giant spread i think i'm going to take the money line and take Vermont here. This is one of uh, the upsets I really like. Eight nines are always super interesting matchups. I think I'm going to take Marquette. The, the line is UNC by 3.5. If the line is that small, you might as well just take the underdog. Because if it's 3.5, they're not far from winning that game. Or at least that's my thought process. Virginia Tech over Texas, one and a half. That's an 11 over a six. I'm definitely taking the money line. Because it's one and a half. And the money line is just going to pay you that much more. The only way I take the points is if I parlay it and uh, and I buy a couple points. Like... No, I'm just Virginia Tech over Texas. The Like, these are the ones I'm taking. And then Davidson over Sparty. That's all. I, I didn't get the line for that. I'm sorry, but I love the idea of Davidson getting Sparty right the fuck out of here. Um, Let me see if I can actually find the line for that one. What is the line for Davidson versus Michigan? And that is a Friday tip-off game. Or uh, what time is that? That is 940 CBS, and it's Michigan State by 1.5. Like, they're begging you to take the money line on these. Like, I'm not a gambling expert, but they are begging. One and a half points? That means if you lose by two you don't win just just take the money line so these are these are Rob's gambling picks for the first round we'll go through them one more time really quick Vermont over Arkansas um, because it's five and a half that one that one maybe you just take um. You can take Vermont and Arkansas to win. I, that's what I did in our bracket. And that maybe that is how I would play that one. I would take uh, Vermont to cover, but Arkansas to win. So that I'm saying that that game is decided by five or less points, is what I'm essentially saying. UNC, Marquette. I'm going to take Marquette in the money line. It's three and a half. And this is one that I'm going to, I'll bet Marquette, but I've teetered on this decision a lot. Eight nines are really tough because they're the closest. The committee feels that these two teams are just about as close as you can get. Um, Virginia Tech over Texas, because Texas is minus one and a half, and I haven't been impressed with Texas at all this year. And it's one of the teams that I've seen, not a ton, but I've seen enough to know that, They're not moving the needle for me. Virginia Tech is coming off, um, winning the ACC tournament and kind of shellacking Duke at the Barclays Center. So Virginia Tech and then Davidson over Sparty, um, Bob McKillop can coach his ass off. He's been, he's the, he was Steph Curry's coach. He's been coaching his ass off since before Steph got there and he hasn't stopped since Steph left. Um. Davidson is a tough-ass 10 seed because they run their sets. They don't make stupid turnovers. That is a tough team out the Big South. And lastly, now that we've gotten through all of March Madness stuff, um, winning time on Showtime, the story of the Showtime Lakers where two episodes in, so far, I'm enjoying it. They they just slayed my son, Jerry West. They made him into the world's biggest asshole. I'd love to talk to people that were around, like, how much of this has been doctored up for drama and how much of this is, like, how Jerry, Re- Jerry West really was. <clears throat> it's cool, the idea of seeing Young Magic, because... Once again, I don't know what Young Magic was like, but that's the the arrogance and like the cocky swagger that they've given him on the show is how I imagine he was. Like he was the man. Also, Magic, top ten nickname of all time. Actually, top two nickname, and it ain't two. A nickname that is so good that people just start calling you that Elite. But there are two episodes in. It's it's not everything I've always asked for because I often complain that <clears throat> football and baseball get these like cool drama shows and we've never had a good one for basketball. And if one of you goofy motherfuckers tries to say One Tree Hill, so help me God, I'll smack fucking fire out of you because that was atrocious basketball. Yep, dramatic pause and everything. Um the show might have been okay, but it was bad basketball. And then you go to football, Friday Night Lights, the gold standard for a sports TV drama. All American, really good. It got a little too woke for me in the last couple seasons, like like he he's a high school football player. He's not fucking Malcolm X or Dr. King. Like, they drag it with Spencer being the all-black American hero sometimes. But still, better than anything we've got for basketball. Um, You want to talk baseball? Baseball all-American? Tough. I'm really liking it. I like Damon's character. I hope and pray they don't make him get the stupid Spencer hero complex. Because I saw a little bit of that in episode 3. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Not one iota. Um, pitch was a really, really good one for baseball. I would call it because it's not a documentary. But it, it is based on true events featuring true people. But like it's shot in a fun style where um, Dr. Bus or Magic will... Look directly into the camera and say something, breaking the fourth wall before they go into like an intense scene. So, Dr. Buss is negotiating with uh, Mr. Cook for when he's gonna buy the Lakers, and he says something about being up Shitt's Creek with uh, he gotta paddle up Shitt's Creek, or he's up Shitt's Creek, and then he turns to the camera and he says, But watch me paddle. And obviously that's directly to the audience and the other actor in the scene is supposed to act like he didn't hear that. So I would call this mockumentary style. It's very fun. And if you don't know the ins and outs of the 80s Showtime Lakers, you're bound to learn some things, but in a fun way. Um, I think that's everything that I wanted to chat with you guys about. Just don't want to sign off and then be like, oh, shit, I forgot. Whatever. Send me ideas for what we can do for the winner of the tournament challenge. Once again, you can join on ESPN. It's Shaw's Law Podcast. Join our group. You can do two entries. It's free. And I will come up with a prize or merch or something fun for the winner. But this has been the Shaw's Law Podcast, and like that, we out.